Okay, I got 6.30 here by my Timex, my reliable Timex. <laughs> uh, good to see you guys. At my age, it's good to be seen, too. <laughs> uh, we love y'all. Appreciate you. If you're able, please stand and turn to hymn number 267. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. The man shall be the peace. That's the man Christ Jesus, by the way. Micah 5.5. 267. As we sing the first, second, and last verse. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their whole familiar carols play. And mild and sweet the words repeat. Of peace on earth, good will to men. I thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along unbroken song of peace on earth, good will to men. Last verse. Then ring and singing on its way, the world revolves from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime, a peace on earth, good will to men. And now I would say, dare say, that this next song is probably everybody's up there at the top favorite, Oh Holy Night, 285. And it's my favorite too, or one of my favorite, but to me it's the hardest song in this book to sing. It, it's so beautiful, and I, I mess it up every time, but I still love it. And uh, we'll sing the first and second verse. That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God, Luke 135. Oh, holy night. Her favorite, too. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long
his cradle we stand so led by light of a star sweetly gleaming here came the wise men The King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials, born to be our friend. He knows our need to our weakness is no stranger. couldn't even begin to think to sing this song. Thank y'all, and y'all may be seated. And now our dear pastor, come to preach to us. Amen. I had to pull out a nose hair to hit some of those notes. So good. I ain't got none left. <laughs> All right. Uh, now I try to find a low spot and stick there. I can't even stick there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, tonight, grateful for you guys uh, coming and, and for us to be able to worship the Lord tonight, to sing um, all, all December long about uh, the coming of our, of our King, the coming of our, our Savior. And uh, Christmas really is such a wonderful time. And grateful for these Sunday nights, we'll be able to study um, our way of wise living. And so tonight, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter number 2 tonight. Proverbs chapter number 2. Tonight we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 um, of Proverbs chapter number 2, looking at the reception of wisdom. Uh, wise living is something that we all long for, we all strive for, but it is hard work. It's harder than singing O Holy Night. <laughs> it, it's difficult, it's strenuous, it's heartbreaking at times, but uh, tonight, uh, hopefully, uh, as we study these few verses, uh, the Lord will give us uh, some help in what it means to receive uh, wisdom from the Lord. Uh, tonight, I want to go ahead and, and pray for us and, uh, and ask God to, to help us. Uh, first of all, let me read uh, verses 1 through, f- uh, one through one through 4. Yeah, we'll do 1 through 4. Um, it says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and... Apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as, uh, at her as for hid treasures. Uh, I'll, I'll go to verse 5. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now that's going to be the place really where we pick off the next go round um, in, in sort of the reward of wisdom. But let's, let's pray tonight. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. Grateful that we can gather and we can sing. 
Um, and Lord, that we can worship you in our hearts, uh, not just as we lift up our voices, but as well, God, as we open up our ears and our hearts to your word. And I pray, God, that you would do that for us tonight, that you would open our hearts and, and our minds up to what you have for us tonight so that we might live wisely and righteously before you. I pray, God, that you would bless each one that's here. I pray that you would help my uh, my voice and, and my mind and, and my flesh tonight, God, that you would uh, give me just the direction, the wisdom that is needed tonight. Uh, and Lord, that you would um, encourage us, strengthen us, and convict us, whatever the need might be, God. We pray that you would meet that need as only you are able. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. As we look here tonight, we're going to begin, and really, uh, this uh, verse, number one, my son, if thou wilt, this is springboarding the whole rest of the chapter. And so tonight, as you guys know how this goes, there's no way we're covering an entire chapter, okay? So we're going to cover these first four uh, verses to really show all these if, 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 right? These conditions of wisdom. Now, um, if you would be considered wise tonight, it did not happen overnight. You were not born wise. You were not, you know, a seven-year-old wise old man with gray hair and, and wisdom just oozing out. It does not work that way. It takes time. It takes patience, right? To, to be wise, it is, it's not a hot frying pan, all right? This is a crock pot, okay? This is a whole lifelong mentality. This is low and slow to get this wisdom. However, I believe that the Bible perfectly and completely prescribes for us what wisdom is, as we've already addressed, or as really the, the author has already addressed in the book of Proverbs, which is the fear of the Lord. I believe that wisdom absolutely begins and really ends with a knowledge of the fear of the Lord. It is to know God. If you know God and know Him properly, uh, and know Him by properly, I mean uh, know Him according to how He has revealed Himself to us, which is according to the Word of God, everything else in your life will, will fall into place. If you have the right view of God, the right view of yourself, the right view of His Word, the right view, it, it literally, it starts here in your mind before it goes into your heart, long before it gets into the action stuff. We oftentimes, and especially in those who are very religious, want the outside then to go to the heart, then to the mind, that sort of thing. But it goes head, heart, and then with our, our hands here. Wisdom does take time here. And as we begin, as throughout the book of Proverbs so far, in just this short uh, little bit that we've studied, he begins by saying, my son. He is dealing and addressing as if he is literally writing to his son. If you could possibly even go back and, and write to your younger self or maybe write a, a letter uh, to a child or a grandchild, you've got some things now that you're a little bit older and have gained some wisdom through the triumphs and as well as through many failures of things that you would want to go back and maybe say to yourself or, or certainly say to a child or a grandkid or that sort of thing and let them know, hey, do this or don't do that. It'd probably be a whole lot of don't do this or at least don't do it that way, right? Learn from my mistakes. But unfortunately, you and I, the way we've gotten a little bit of wisdom has been through many of those mistakes. But as he's writing, he says, my son, if thou, if this is my son, if, in order to get wisdom, it is, and we've got to understand it is conditional, right? There are however many folks that are in here tonight that are saved. I would say this, and this is a hard part, right? Just because you are saved does not mean you are necessarily living wisely or living in victory. You might have your salvation, but that does not mean that you are wise beyond your years instantaneously. It does not work that way. There's a long sanctification process of which we are 
continuously having those, oh, we learned to do this and we learned to not do that or we learned to do it not that way. Uh, and so uh, in order to get this, we understand here that not everyone tonight would be considered that wise, saintly elder statesman of, of the church. Not everyone is that in that role. We, however, we should all desire to be that wise individual, that wise believer who then in turn can look at the pew in front of or behind him or, or to the left or to the right and be able to say, my son, if you do this, here's what's going to happen, right? You and I should have the desire to not grow old and bitter, but to grow old and, and better, to grow old and, and wiser, not so that we would heap up riches of wisdom for ourselves, but rather so that way we would be filled up so that we can then pour ourselves out. If you were to take uh, your cup, you wanted to get a cup of water, right, at your house, and, and you go to the faucet, and you turn it on, and you stick your cup underneath, and then you never move it, and you just let it keep overflowing, and you never lift it up to take a drink, or to pour some out, or, or to, to take a, a big gulp, or, or anything like that, you're never going to get your thirst quenched, and you're never going to be able to pass it on. You and I are not meant to just gain all of this stuff for ourselves. We're meant to get wisdom so that we would live wisely, but in turn, so that we could then go, my son, if thou wilt do this, then you shall have wisdom. My daughter, if you do this, you will have wisdom, right? To teach and to pass this on. Now, when he begins with my son, if, the, the sacred writer here, as Sorensen writes, the sacred writer begins immediately with an if for the logical development he is about to develop. Essentially, everything else in this chapter flows from this if and the ones to follow in verses 3 and 4, which we will cover tonight. So we see that wisdom is conditional. Not everyone gets it. Not everyone obtains it. Uh, right? You might be, and everyone in here might be a certain age range, right? But it does not mean that everyone in that certain age range is as wise as another. Now, that's not a bad thing. What this means, though, is that we are all at different stages and walks of life, and especially even speaking in different stages of our Christian walk. That's the beauty of the body of Christ, mind you. We're not all at, we're all a part of one body, but we're all different uh, parts of this body with different roles and responsibilities and abilities and giftings and things. And that's how you contribute. If you're that wise, older saint in here, praise the Lord for you. But don't waste your wisdom. Pour it out to us who are young and unwise, right? And, and if you're maybe going, well, I, I'm not the older, wiser one. I'm just the older one, and seek wisdom. Why? Because if you're still alive today, then that means that wisdom is still being offered to you today to continue to live for however many days you might have. You still might outlive me for all we know. We don't have a clue. So live and seek wisdom. But this is conditional. Wisdom only comes to those who will do and heed and really receive wisdom that is being offered that this passage is about to require over the next few verses. Each person must make this journey of wise living on their own. As each of you who are saved in here tonight would certainly say this, that you do not inherit your salvation from mom and dad or granddad or grandma or anybody like that. You personally were born again. right? Unless you personally have repented and trusted Christ, you are still lost. Just because I mean, your grandpa or granddad or, or mom or dad, I don't care who, who you're related to, right? They might have built this church. They might have gave all the money to make this church. They might have served as pastor for some odd years. You might be related to some. You might even give the most money here and still be just as lost. It don't matter. Right? What matters is this, is that you cannot inherit 
faith. You cannot inherit wisdom. But what, is, what we see is that it is personal. If those who personally have faith in the Lord and have personal faith in His Word will and should naturally have a personal response in receiving the wisdom of God. Now, as we've seen already earlier on, in cha- or at the end, the tail end of chapter 1, what was basically pictured here is wisdom being like a street preacher. Out on, on the corner preaching to all those who can hear. Wisdom is being offered to all. The message of wisdom is being offered to all. But just because all hear does not mean that all receive. Wisdom is offered to all, but it is received by few. Much like faith. Faith in, in, in Christ is offered to all who will repent and believe. Faith is offered to all who will call upon the name of the Lord, and they shall be saved. However, there is this big, broad way which many are going. And that is the way of destruction. It's the way of the world. It's the way that you and I are naturally going in our human flesh and human nature. However, while we are on that broad way, we hear the the gospel call, and there are few that respond by faith and go along the narrow way. Now, if we were to move this onward to wisdom, the same is said. There are many on a broad way of unwise living. And unwise living ultimately is living faithless or unrighteously, living the way of the world, living according to the flesh, and it will lead to destruction. As the author has already been dealing with, as if he is writing to his own son, if you have a son or a daughter or or anyone in your family or anybody in your life that you care about, would you want them to go on the broad way that leads to destruction or to the narrow way that leads to life? All right. Thank you, Jay. All right, so Jay's got rest of you guys. The correct answer response was the narrow way. All right, y'all just look to him, right? And, and if he's wrong, I'll tell you. <laughs> right? You think about this: you, the narrow way. And if you want them to go in the narrow way, what would you do? Would you tell them about it? Absolutely, and, and we should. And so this is what this father, if you will, is doing. My son, if you receive these words, it is like a dad coming up to his son and saying, "Son, take it from me." Right? If you want to catch fish, here's how you do it. If you want to you know, uh, be good at throwing a football or do this or do whatever it might be, here's what you got to do. Right? And when we're young, we often don't listen to Dad's advice. But here, Dad's advice is the Word of God that says, hear what wisdom has to say and receive it. Now here, as one commentator writes about this, this journey here, the, the search, strenuous as it must be, is not unguided. Its starting point is revelation, specific words and practical commandments. Its method is not one of free speculation, but of treasuring and exploring received teaching so as to penetrate to their principles. So the the idea here is that if you and I are to receive wisdom into my son, if thou wilt, do these things, it's not going to be because we speculate or make up our own wisdom or make up our own ideologies or our own systems of thought or thinking. It's going to be because God has revealed it and we hear it, not just with our ears, but with our heart, and we believe it. We do something about it. There are many a believer who have listened to more sermons than I will preach in a lifetime of ministry and have never done anything about it. That you think about the, the waste that so many times we hear the Word of God or we read the Word of God and we leave unchanged. We are like the, the man in, in James who beholds himself in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looked like. 
We hear the wisdom that it's calling to us, but if we remain unwise in our living or unwise in our attitude or unwise in general, it's not God's fault. It's not the deacon's fault. It's not your mom or dad's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's your fault. We've got to take the personal responsibility of going, if I'm going to be wise, it's going to be because, one, God has offered it, God gives it, and I then receive it. Look at this here. Uh, the conditions of receiving wisdom are going to be as, as, as we follow through here. My son, if thou wilt receive my words. Receive my words is, is his first condition. It is one thing to hear what the words are. It is another thing to receive the words, right? I could give Peter this big box with a bow on top and say, hey, I just want to give this to you because you did a great job being you today. And he would have a couple options here. You could say, you know, I really didn't. I'm not going to take that, but thanks though, right? And then I, I can't give the gift. Or he can receive it and say, hey, what's in here? I got the same thing I got you last year, Peter, right? <laughs> I didn't know him last year. <laughs> now, I can't do this again next year, though. But when you think about this, right, we've got to receive it. Receive it is literally to, to take, to believe, to obey in faithful acceptance. So when he says, my son, if thou will receive my words, he's not saying, son, just listen to what I've got to say. But he's saying, listen, ponder, believe, uh, accept this, understand it, chew on this, meditate on it, right? Put this to practice. Your faith and the words of God are always, the word of God is always going to remain the word of God. However, if you hear the word of God or you read the word of God, even though you are saved, but you never apply it, then it's, it's not going to do anything for you, right? You can have your daily reading and you could read the whole book of Proverbs in a day, but if you speed read that sucker and you don't pray, if you don't mark and underline and actually take time to study and to ponder and to chew on things and to meditate on the Word of God, then all that you did was speed read through a book of the Bible. And that's not what we're called to do. Now, if you speed read through, okay, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But if you want wisdom, it takes some effort. It takes to literally receive. Now, what would be receiving the words tonight? If we just simply said, my son, thou receive my words and have my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear into my... All right, well, let's go home, guys, right? No, it's to, it's to really dig deep, to, to pause and, and to reflect and, and to then to apply this like this sort of solve, solve it to a, to a wound. The second then condition of receiving wisdom is found. He says, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Now, I love this one. Hide my commandments with thee. There is a lost art of one of which I am absolutely, and I'm going to be honest with you, hopefully you can be honest with you too, that, that I know I am guilty of and probably most believers are very guilty of, and that is scripture memorization. Now, there is a, a, a way that you can certainly become a Pharisee in that going, I've got X amount of verses, you know, memorized. Look at my Awana badges or whatever it might be, right? And you can certainly do that. However, most of us, and, and I'm talking about me here, very much included, neglect to, to ponder, to chew on, or to try to memorize the Word of God, to, to hide the commandments of God within my heart. I'm content because I know that I've got bookshelves full of books. I've got Bible softwares. I can literally Google a phrase of the Bible that I think is, sounds like that. And you know what it'll do? Even Google will do it. 
it'll pull up all these Bible verses of which it probably matches. And I can find it and go, oh, you know what? I'll give you a little hint. I did it a little bit ago right there, right? <laughs> Be honest with you. Because I couldn't remember the reference. Right? Is that all right? You guys okay with the, the preacher using Google every now and again? Right? We use these tools. But he says, if thou wilt receive wisdom, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. The word hide literally means to store up or to treasure. It's like to, to develop this big old savings account, this 401k of wisdom. It is to develop this storehouse, this pantry full of Bible verses and biblical doctrine and application in our life. It is having the, the walk-in closet, the walk-in pantry of just open up the doors and boom, there's everything that you need right there. You and I truly should be, to a degree, walking Bibles where, where we know the Word of God, where the Word of God is upon uh, uh, the tips of our tongue, the, the forefront of our mind, and, and just bursting and oozing from our hearts. It, it should ever be before us because we should ever be in it. But the issue here is that we're often not, but he says, hide my commandments with thee. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, verse 11, Psalm 119, verse 11 tells us, Thy words I have hid in my heart. Same idea and understanding there. Uh, then um, I'll turn for just a moment, just for sake of time, uh, over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus is preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and he has just been dealing with prayer, and, and now he comes to sort of idea of possessions and in this sort of earthly kingdom which we dwell and, and then the coming kingdom of which we will dwell, the eternal things. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And let's pause there for just a moment. I want you to go ahead and look around at everything. Go ahead, look around. It's beautiful, isn't it? And you know what? One day, these beautiful pieces of decoration that... Many of us spent many time, and Miss Shirley spent, I don't know how many hours on a ladder, floofing away. One day, these will have to be replaced because moth is either going to get it, dust is going to get it, rust might get it, or we just might get tired of it and get something out. I don't know. But we know that everything around us, everything in this life is temporary. It's what Jesus is getting at and what we're about to get at here as we're going to bring it back to wisdom is that wisdom is not a temporary substance. It is to be of eternal value because it is of eternal value. Wisdom is applying the knowledge of God and knowing God and the fear of the Lord. And that is of eternal weight. We spend far too much of our Christian walk living in and for the temporary and far less time for the eternal things. If we were to be eternally minded or truly heavenly minded then we would be earthly good and that's what we need and jesus goes on to say that in verse 20 but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven it's the same idea of, of hiding he says where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also the reason why we don't have as much wisdom as we would like ultimately is because we don't want the hard work of getting that wisdom. And that's the hard part about this. Our hearts 
Our, our minds know as believers we need wisdom, we need to do right, we need to live godly, we need to do all these things. We've got all those basic Sunday school things. If you've been in Sunday school or saved for more than half a minute, you know those things. They're basics. However, our heart is still at times so tied down and so anchored to this world and not to the Word of God that we have so many treasures on this earth and, and we don't treasure wisdom. We don't treasure the Word of God. We don't treasure the eternal things, which should certainly be our treasure, because ultimately there is no treasure on this earth that is ever going to remain. And there is nothing on this earth that will ever satisfy like the eternal things of God, like wisdom here. Now, when he says to to hide my commandments here, as one commentator, Ross, he writes, accept or receive is paralleled with store up or to treasure, a figure that implies that most teaching cannot be used immediately but that some time will pass before education's effects are felt. This is true. There's a reason why you have to go to school for however long you got to go to school for, right? Um, 12 years, right? Something like that, right? you got to go through all of it. They want you to go through the whole thing. And then even continued education, all this stuff. How about this? The moment that you are saved, do you know all that you need to know now for your whole Christian life? No. You've got the basic nugget that's going to be the key to go back over and over and over again, though. You've got the gospel, which is really going to be the thrust of every other Bible doctrine you'll ever learn, every other systematic theology you'll ever get, and all, all these great things. But you're just, at, you're just starting. You've got to keep uh, pressing forward, and it takes time to get wise. It takes the hard work and the patience and the endurance to reach that time of going have got some wisdom but even those who have the wisdom are normally the last ones to say that they've got wisdom and normally they're the ones who go I'm, I'm just trying my best here the ones who say I'm just trying my best here and go about their Christian walk normally in a quiet humble manner those are the wise ones that you need to latch on to those are the wise ones that you need to seek out the ones that go come before me and hear my wisdom those are the ones you probably need to go I don't think they have a clue yet right you don't, you don't, you go, I don't think, find those wise ones. Find the, the ones who have gone and done the work and have endured. As, as Clark writes, treasure them up in thy heart and then act from them through the medium of thy affections. He who has the rule of his duty only in his Bible and in his head is not likely to be a steady, consistent character. His heart is not engaged. And his obedience, in any case, can be only forced or done from a sense of duty. It is not the obedience of a loving, dutiful child to an affectionate father. But he who has the word of God in his heart works from his heart. His heart goes with him in all things, and he delights to do the will of his heavenly father because his law is in his heart. This is the motivation. The reason why we do what we do in the the seeking of wisdom and wise living, it is one thing to do it from your head, and it is another thing to do it with a heart that believes. Uh, you can think about it this way. Which one is better? All right? And you can say, before we even get started, when I was a kid, right, or when you were a kid, because you probably did this too, right? We were all kids at one, uh, one point in time. When you got told to take out the trash, and you normally you responded the same way, right, of going, Yes, mother, of course. It would be my delight. I would love to help you in any way I possibly can. Let me grab the trash and may also get you a cup of iced tea, right? 
No, of course we didn't. What do we do? We often, in a minute, or right now, right? Can I wait? Or then we finally got to it. We got the big trash bag, right? We, we threw it over our shoulder with a huff and a puff, and we drag it maybe down the sidewalk, and then we've got to pick up more trash. We put it in the big trash can, and we come back in, and we close the door too hard on purpose. We take the new trash bag, and we fluff it as hard as we can to get it into the trash can. And we make sure that our parents know you see that I took out the trash for you? Don't you see what, how good of a child I am? <laughs> now, did the trash get taken out? Yes. But did it get taken out rightly? No. You see, my head might have had me take the trash out, and my head might go, took the trash out, what more could you want? I, I did what you asked. But the heart, does it rightly. You see, you can have all the knowledge in your head about God and still have a wrong heart about how you go about serving Him. Because if you go about serving Him just through your head and with your hands and without your heart, then you're not serving God, you're serving yourself. And so this is what receiving wisdom properly here to hide commands in our heart. The heart is key. See, faith, not just for salvation, but in sanctification, is not just in your head, it's in the heart. It is with the heart man believes. It is with all of who we are. And then he continues on. He says in verse number 2, So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. You know what that simply means? Incline thine ear unto wisdom? If wisdom is talking, then... Do that. Close your lips. Don't talk. And open these things up. Open up those ears. And open up your heart. And listen to what wisdom has to say. Wisdom's The conversation that you and I would have with wisdom would go a lot like this. Wisdom speaks and we listen. End of conversation. And that's it. That's as far as it goes. We've got nothing to say. We've got nothing to rebut. We've got nothing that... We simply just, that's it. Wisdom speaks, we listen. We listen and then we apply. We obey. So when he says, incline thy ear unto wisdom, he's saying, listen up. Or as the Bible and many preachers had said in the Scripture, or as Jesus even said, he who hath an ear, hear. Right? Listen. Not just with your physical ears, but to hear with your spiritual heart. He then says, it ties right along into this verse, He says, don't just incline thine ear into wisdom. He says, and apply thine heart to understanding. It is one thing if your ears hear every sermon and every song, but if your heart never does and if your heart never gets it applied on there, it's done nothing. All that you did was maybe lip service or ear service at best. That's it. To apply thine heart to understanding. Uh, as one has written, such a perspective calls for patience by the students. Patience that makes both heart and mind attentive. The ear is the instrument of hearing obediently. And the heart, the focus of the mental process of learning and understanding. You can learn a lot by listening. But you gain wisdom from hearing, listening, and applying it. Receiving it. Believing it. Notice how wisdom literally comes in 
from the tops of her head to the bottoms of her feet. Wisdom comes to, to take over and to, to fill us up and to strengthen us and to convict us or to correct us or to change us or to encourage us even. Wisdom comes to do a work about our whole and entire being. But it must be applied to our heart. That's the key. Everyone who has ever been wise before God or lived righteously, it has not been because they went to the church the most. It's not because they gave the most. It's not even because they could uh, sing the best or the loudest or whatever it might be. It is because they heard what God had said, found in His Word, and had it applied to their heart. It's a heart that changes the way we think. It's our faith and our heart that is focused on God, that has a true knowledge of the fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It is truly that inside here that will affect what comes out of our mouth, that will affect what we bring into our ears and, and, and what we think upon with our, our mind. What you care about most in your heart is where, where your feet will go, what your hands will do, uh, everything. Your heart matters. You must guard it. You must apply the wisdom understanding. We are to hear and to apply. Your faith and my faith in the Lord God, in His Word, it is active, not passive. There is not a single Christian who ever grew wise or righteous or, or lived well or lived a great or left a great legacy before God by being passive and not applying a thing. It was those who had an active faith. Because a real faith will be truly active. Now there is, uh, if we have a real faith in Christ, it will lead to activity, not activity on our own flesh or through our own power, but rather through uh, this real faith in, in a real God who truly and very much empowers us. It will be through Him, through His work, as it is applied to our hearts. One can hear the cry of wisdom, but if they do not respond, then there will be no wisdom applied in their life. Tonight, if you were to have a cut on your knee or your elbow or, I don't know, nose, anywhere, right, and you needed some neosporin put on that thing, all right, you need to get rid of those germs and bacteria before you slap a good old Band-Aid on there. You're not going to kill those germs by staring really hard at that Neosporin package. You know that? You can stare and stare and stare at that Neosporin package all you want and still not have a single germ killed. Then you can even do one more. Take the Neosporin out of the box, stare at it even harder, and still not have another germ killed. Then you could even turn it on the back and look at the ingredients of the Neosporin. You can look at the ingredients that's made out of water and... X of the big long words like that, right? You know, they're like that big and they put on the package that big. All those big words. You could stare at all those big words and even be able to pronounce all those big words on the back of that Neosporin. But if you never take the top off and break that little tinfoil seal they got on that thing and, and, and spread some of that on that cut, guess what? No germs will ever be killed unless the Neosporin is applied you will remain in the same state that you are in. When we look at our spiritual lives, you can do this. You can even flip it open and stare 
You could even come to church and stare. But if it's never applied, you will be no more wise than when you walked in that back door. It takes more just hearing. It takes applying this wisdom as this father writing to the son. He says, don't just listen to what I got to say, boy. Apply it to your life or else it's in vain. He then continues in, in verse number 3. He says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. To cry out, to lift up thy voice for understanding. I very much believe here that what we're looking at is this sort of progression. It is as if wisdom hasn't come yet. And he's saying, if the wisdom hasn't been applied yet, keep asking wisdom. Keep calling out for wisdom. Keep crying out for wisdom. If understanding or the help of wisdom has not come immediately, then begin to cry out for it loudly and continuously, and wisdom will come. But what does it take? Patience, endurance, and time. And wisdom will have its work done in your life. We want to jump from saved to being SEAL Team 6 Christian, which, by the way, is no such thing. Right? We want to jump to being the best Christian possible the moment we got saved, and, and it doesn't work that way. We want to go from going, I know I've got this sin, I know I've got the struggle, I know I've got this issue that I always have. I just want to go, go away. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I just want to jump to the next spot. We want to jump to the next chapter, but we can't. We've got to take our time through this thing and be patient. And guess what? When it comes, it comes and boom, it's applied and, and God does this great work. But I believe is what he's calling here for us to do. This is if thou criest after knowledge and lifted up thy voice, for understanding. To cry after it means to cry after. It's loud. But then as well, he then says, and lift up thy voice for understanding. He's saying if, if crying out doesn't work, then lift up your voice even more. Get louder and louder and louder. Cry out for the help of wisdom. It would be the illustration, if you will, of someone who, who needs rescuing. They've gone out in the ocean and they've been swimming out there why you even do that i don't know just sit on the beach and look at it admire it don't go out in the water right but they go out in the water and what happens go too deep the waves get too big or they get put into a a current and they go from enjoying the waves and they're just kind of floating around and things are good to now right and it's not good right they're, they're drowning they're going under right they're bobbing up and down and up and down so what do they begin to do they begin to cry out right help all that stuff right help 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 louder and louder. help 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 until what the lifeguard comes and helps and rescues and saves him you think that person who's drowning is just going to cry for help once to say help well help didn't come i guess this is it no no they're going to keep help if the second time help if that were help, splash, 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 right? You're going to keep going until help comes. So with wisdom, what do we do? If you're 18 or 118, keep crying out for wisdom. It is never too late to receive the wisdom of God. It is never too late to receive and apply the Word of God. Continuously, continue to cry out to God for this wisdom. It has been said, thus the ear hears the teaching, the mind understands what is said, 
And the voice is used to inquire after true knowledge. I believe that God certainly hears and I believe that even loves the prayer of a saint who asks, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. And I don't believe it's vain repetition to continue to ask God for wisdom. I believe it's good praying because we continuously need wisdom and we'll never reach this spot where we don't have to pray and ask God for it. You'll never reach a spot, even the wisest of us in this room tonight, will never reach that place or that spot in our Christian walk or life where we go, you know, I guess I've got as much wisdom as I possibly can. I guess I don't have to ask God for anymore. No, we keep asking because we continuously need more and more wisdom. Now, he then says in verse number four, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, seeking, continuously seek. And then he says, then thou shalt have, understand the fear of the Lord and, and find the, the knowledge of God. That's, that's the result of receiving. That's the reward. It's to, to have this understanding, to have and to find the knowledge of God. And, and we'll deal with that at another time going on the following verses. But I want us to see here tonight, wise living here. First of all, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 to 22, it's publicly offered. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Wisdom has been publicly offered. Every time the Word of God is open, wisdom is being publicly offered. Every time we sing, whether it's a Christmas carol or, or a hymn, wisdom is being publicly offered. Every time that you uh, go home it is, and read the Bible or, or turn on uh, BBN or whatever you listen to, and you hear the Word of God, wisdom is being publicly offered. But then... Proverbs 1.33, it must be personally received. Verse 33 tells us of Proverbs 1, But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet in the fear of the Lord. Look at that. Unless you personally receive it, you're not going to have the safety and the quiet and, and, and the, the fear uh, being diminished from the evil and the things of this world. You won't have that wisdom unless it is personally received. But then... As we've seen here in chapter 2, it must as well be privately practiced. What matters most in your Christian walk is not what takes place inside the, these four walls. The, the biggest part of your Christian life is going to happen not here on a pew, not up here, not even at the altar, not in the lobby, not in the parking lot. It's going to happen not even on church grounds or church functions. The vast majority of your Christian life and walk is going to happen when no one else is around. That's where the real rubber meets the real road. It is one thing to be inside these walls and to live wisely and to seek wisdom and to know God and do right. And Because guess what? We're, we're trying to make sure that we're all here doing that. And we're also trying to make sure that all of us here, we're going, well, you know, I've got to make sure that they think I'm at least living right, doing right, especially inside church. I've got to act right. I've got to act churchy. What really matters is not your churchiness here. What matters is your Christ-likeness inside of your own heart, inside of your own home, when it's dark, when no one's around, when there's no accountability, when there's not sister or brother so-and-so over there, 
going, hey, good to see you. How you doing? You doing all right? Anything I can help you with? How can I pray for you? It is when you are by yourself that wisdom truly gets applied. It is when the whispers and the lies of the devil come, they are certainly the loudest when you are by yourself. It is when the temptations of your flesh and of your heart come, which are always the worst when you are by yourself. It is when these things come that we are by ourselves that we must see, am I truly practicing wisdom? Because wisdom has the Word of God hidden in our hearts so that we might not sin against it. It it has God's Word and it has a, a right view and understanding of who God is so that way when the the time comes that temptation is there or that uh, discouragement is there, uh, that when we are there alone, rubber on the road, that, that we go, God help me to do wisely. That is most difficult. It's easy to be wise inside the church house, but it's difficult to be wise in our own. Well, you will spend far more time on your own. You'll spend far more time in your own home or, or at work. One thing I used to tell parents when I was uh, a youth pastor, I would tell them, why don't you come up? <laughs> why don't you do something? I mean, be a part of it. I want, whatever you want, right? I want to help you help them because I've got at most two, three hours a week, right? I did, I did three services with the youth and, and loved it. Well, I got three hours, all right? Let's break it down. I got three hours a week at most. That does not include talking time, hanging out time, eating a little Debbie snack cake and, and praying time and all that stuff. That's all I got, three hours. School, eight hours a day, about right. Five days a week, four, at least 40 hours a week. By the way, that's a secular religious school even though it's a public school, mind you, it's, it's a very much religious school. It's teaching secular humanism to your children for 40 hours at least a week. Not to mention, unless they could be involved in choir or band or, or wrestling or sports or uh, basket weaving club. I don't, whatever, I don't know whatever they're involved in, but they're there extra now. And how about now the statistics that show that, that kids today are, are spending four plus hours a day, roughly, on technology, even inside the home, so not with them. Not to mention the fact, too, that decades ago, it seems, that we stopped having family dinners together or devotions or Bible reading or prayer time. So parents and kids are coming and going and going and coming and everything else. And So what do you want me to do with my three hours? Plus, they're going to sleep at some point. There's not much that we can do, is it? So what happens when we gather here in these four walls is to encourage us, maybe challenge us and convict us at times as well, as well as to, to empower us and encourage us to, when we leave these walls, where we're going to spend most of our time at our jobs or with our family or in our homes or whatever it might be out there, outside of these walls, to be able to apply God's Word day in and day out, to have right thinking so that we can have right living. Right thinking begins with the fear of the Lord, which is truly what wisdom is, which is what truly the heart of the gospel is. So here we gather to fill ourselves up and to be filled and to fill each other up so that way when we are out there, we can continue to live 
wisely. And so tonight, I want to encourage us to know this, that wisdom is a lifelong, hard-earned pursuit. But it is one that each one of us in here tonight would say, I'm on that journey. So guess what? Go on that journey together. I would even maybe challenge each other to pray for one another this week about God help so-and-so to have wisdom this week. I don't know what they need wisdom for this week, but give it to them. Be accountable to one another. Help each other. Encourage each other throughout the week and, and to pray for one another so that way there is this sort of mentality of understanding that you, while you might spend more time alone out there, are not truly alone in this walk or this pursuit. And so that way when we gather in here, we understand the purpose to be filled up so that we would all continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. This is a pursuit. My son, if thou wilt receive these words, hide my commandments, incline thy ear, apply your heart, criest and lift up your voice. If you seek after like silver and search for her as for hid treasures. See, there are many people who will literally spend all of their time, all of their money, out west somewhere seeking gold. Still, right? They got TV shows about these guys with dump trucks and tractors and, and hard hats digging up gold. And they spend whole seasons not finding any gold. Where they're getting their money to do this, I don't know. And they search and they search and they search and they search and they search. And if they find one little nugget in a hole, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. It's their whole lifelong goal and pursuit. Find one little thing. It just makes it all worthwhile. If you and I were to understand that what we are pursuing is far more valuable than silver or gold, what we are pursuing is the wisdom and the will of the Word of God, the eternal things. If we would search as diligently as those gold miners would, we would find wisdom, greater nuggets than this little thing. And we would find it together and we would keep to ourselves wisdom, not just so that we would have all the wisdom in the land, but so that we would pour it out to others to then be wise themselves. And we would search like if it was silver, like it was hidden treasure. I want you to know, wisdom is often hidden from us, but if we would but open up the Bible, open up our mouths and our hearts to pray to the Lord, if we would but cry out, Wisdom would find us. And our lives would begin to change. These are difficult truths. Not necessarily to hear, but to apply. Tonight, may we not find ourselves like the Neosporans staring at this going, well, that was a good night at church. Another Sunday gone. But to go and apply this thing to the wounds of our hearts that either are there now or are about to be come Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday morning as the world, the flesh, and the devil come to fight us. We need wisdom day in and day out. May we seek like silver or gold or those gold miners to find that wisdom that we need tonight. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night, Lord. Grateful for your word. Grateful that you have offered yourself and offered wisdom to us. I pray, God, that we would desire both you and, and the wisdom of knowing you, Lord. 
Help us to not just know you in our heads, but to believe and trust and receive you and live for you in our hearts. Lord, that all that we are and all that we pursue would be for the eternal things. And Lord, that we would seek wisdom daily in our life, that we would apply it to our hearts and to our life so that we would be able to help others to do the same, so that we would be uh, salt and light in this world. Lord, I pray that you would empower us, encourage us, strengthen us, prepare us for this uh, work week and for the things to come. God, that you would help us to be mindful of you, to be wise enough to make the most of every opportunity given to us. And Lord, that we would be wise enough to make the most of every second that we have, Lord, knowing that uh, we should not take it for granted. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us uh, tonight to, to seek you, to serve you, to love you, and to love others. Lord, we thank you for this time once more and go with us now. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for coming tonight. Y'all have a blessed evening. Lord willing, we'll see y'all Tuesday.